Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I just thought it was Wednesday. Bad Street, Lana <laughs> Hey, I'm ready. Right foot back. Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads continue to ponder life without wrestling fans. Literally, we are here via our Ica Pro powered DeLorean pondering life without wrestling fans metaphorically. Nobody's watching. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter with that portfolio former cultaholic heavyweight champion, the proprietor of Isolation Station 24601, Mr. Tom Campbell. I am here with the bear in the big blue barcade, the head pen of cultaholic socially distancing across a pond. And if you were to hand him a pencil, do you know what he would do? He would say, first of all, one, is this your second trip out of the house today? If so, you are breaking quite a few codes in doing so. Three months, one bit of exercise per day. And two, don't even need this. You've made this journey unnecessarily. This is an unnecessary, non-essential journey because I don't need a pencil because I use a pen because I get it right every time. His name is Justin Henry and he is off of America. How are you doing today, Tommy? Uh, I'm in good form today considering that april essentially didn't happen i'm doing all right it's the seinfeld of months it is isn't it it's the seinfeld of months not the month when nothing happened <laughs> what is shocking. the deal with the coronavirus <laughs> what is the deal with social distancing i want to socially distance all the time <laughs> And Kramer comes in anyway. No, oh, you're supposed to social distance. <laughs> I can't do that, Jerry. <laughs> I can't be doing that, Jerry. Exactly. <laughs> More importantly, how are you, Justin Henry? Uh, I'm doing fine. It's my routine hasn't changed very much. It's mostly the same. Yeah, you you said you've said this previously. Like your your lifestyle is still very much based around <laughs> like working in front of a desk. You know, the cat. The cat doesn't go. You, does your cat go out anyway? Uh, no, cat stays in. Cat stays in. The cat's no different. Does the does the cat notice that you're there more? Mm, not really. He's, he 
he tends to just nap on the pillows next in the chair next to my um on my workstation. So, mm. so usually he's asleep anyway. They do sleep a lot, don't they, cats? That was our concern when we first got Pablo, was that we thought he might be broken or, like, he needs rebooting. Because <laughs> he's sleeping a lot. But cats just sleep a lot, don't they? Well, yeah, because, you know, they're bored and that's how they stay, you know, sleek and vital. <laughs> if only that was how we all worked, so it'd be fine. They sleep 16 hours a day and then... And then rub your head against someone for five hours a day and... and eat. <laughs> Eat, eat the other three and watch TV somewhere in there, which my cat does. <laughs> I was going to say, this is the diary of Justin Henry we're getting here, aren't we? I know. I envy him. <laughs> uh, uh, one thing that your cat can't do, one thing that Pablo certainly can't do, is jump in an Ica Pro Power DeLorean and go back, way back, to 1994 to watch some old episodes of Monday Night Raw. I envy cats. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's stuff that Harley can do that I can't do that I wish I could do. <laughs> yes. That and lick your own bowels. Uh, so the episode this week, uh, where and when are we for the classic Raw review, Justin Henry? Well, this is quite a predicament because the air date here is uh, Monday, September 12, 1994. We are two weeks after SummerSlam. But this was taped well before SummerSlam on August 15th. So why would it have been taped so far ahead? Do you know the answer to this? Because they're actually on tour of Europe at this point, and they were just getting all these shows into the can. Anyone go live again until September 26. Mm-hmm. So next week's show will, will have been in the can for five weeks. It's going to stink as well, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's most certainly is. <laughs> so in a and, short while... Oh, go on, my friend. I was going to say this show is very significant because... Um, while they were on, on tour of Europe right now, in particular Germany, a certain somebody is wrestling their final WWF match on Tuesday of this week. On tour in the for, for the this is the Heart Attack tour, isn't it? I believe it is. Um, the massive coronary tour. <laughs> Uh, I think I know who it is. I've got, um, when we get to it a bit later on, I've got a rundown of the Heart Attack tour that we're going to get to. I've got the card from the San Jose show that you and I are going to uh, confabulate over. Confabulate? Confab- we're going to talk about Confabulate. I've never heard that word. Confabulate. Confabulate. John, can you look that nah, word up for me? Sorry. Um, <laughs> anyway. God, but uh, at this particular point in time, before we get into uh, this week's episode of Raw, this is where I like to sort of paint the picture of uh, what's been happening before I hand over to Justin Henry to talk us through the episode. Uh, but there was two major wrestling tours currently happening at the same time. We had the Heart Attack Tour for the WWF and we had WCW's Hulkamania Tour. Uh, yes, I believe they are also over in the... Uh continent of Europe at this point. They certainly were. So uh, this, uh, I've got the card here from the Wembley Arena show. Now, not to be confused with Wembley Stadium, all right? So nobody say, oh, Two very they different buildings. Wem- oh, they are very different buildings. And also, one is the stadium, the other is the arena. I mean, it's great to play Wembley <laughs> anyway. Progress Wrestling played Wembley Arena uh, a year or so ago, and it was a very important moment <laughs> in, in, in their history. Um, but this is uh, this is how the card shakes down. I've got the card here, sir, for the Wembley Arena show 
for the WCW Hulkamania tour. Do you want me to run you down the card, okay. Justin Henry? Please. So, uh, stop me when this feels like a WWF show from the 90s, uh, or from the late 80s, rather. Uh, Jim Duggan yeah. beats Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, no doubt. Okay, so in, far so good. So far so good. Uh, pretty wonderful. Paul Orndorff and Paul Romer, the Pauls, they should have been called, uh, defeat Dave mm -hmm. and Kevin Sullivan. Okay. Lord Stephen Regal defeats Flying Brian. That sounds awesome. A, yeah, I imagine if, uh, there's another possible match tonight competitor coming up. Uh, it's not this one, by the way. Uh, the Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags, defeat Stars and Stripes, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and the Patriot. Hey, that could have been good. You don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah no. Uh, Sting <laughs> <laughs> defeats Steve Austin. That would have been a good okay. one. Unless they were half-assing because there was no cameras. Um, maybe. Uh, Vader defeated the Guardian <laughs> Angel, a.k.a. the Big Boss Man, hey, hey. dressed slightly differently. Now, now, in fairness, that could have been a really good match. That could have been a good one, actually, to be fair. Like, two big boys <laughs> battering each other. Yeah, Vader plus Super Heavyweight, who hits as hard as he does, equals good. And at the top of the show, it was Hulk Hogan defeating Ric Flair with Sensuous Sherry in his corner. Uh, for the WCW World you know, Title. All told, that is not a bad-looking card. Two thousand people came to watch that show at Wembley Oof. Arena. Uh, just around two thousand. So I want to. What I'm going to do right now, off the off the top of my head, um, I want to pull up Progress Wrestling because so Progress played Wembley uh, a, a year or so ago, and it was a big deal because it was headlined by Volta and Tyler Bate, um, and here we go, Hello Wembley, Progress, uh, they packed in 4,750 fans, so double so, what they did. So what we're saying is that Walter is, is more of a space mountain than Flair is? Walter is das space mountainist, if you will. Mm. <laughs> Would you go John, and see that card? John, oh, John. Nature Walter. Nature Walter. <laughs> Thank you, John. Um, would you go see that card? If it was I assume we're talking the WCW one? Yeah. I would. I mean, Flair versus Sting. I, I mean, Austin versus Sting, Flair versus Hogan, even Vader versus Guardian Angel. Sounds like it'd be a lot of fun to watch. Regal Pillman. Hell yeah, that's four matches right there that would justify me going. So WCW uh, on tour in Europe, uh, playing to 2,000 people at Wembley Arena. There was another iconic wrestling building that they nearly, nearly got their mitts on this week. Do you know what that might be? Are we referring to? Um, wait, are we doing Europe still? No, no, no. Well, this is this is a this is a show closer to home in the for you in the US. Oh, because I believe I may have done a a war stories on this one. What do you reckon it is? Would this would this be something that rhymes with Dadison Share Harden? That's right. This is the time where WCW played Bladison Blair Bladen. Um, 
Uh, no, I don't know why this, he did that, but... This is from The Observer. This is fascinating. I had no idea about this. I know you guys talked about this on War Stories as well, so I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Um, mm. From The Observer. This past week, Madison Square Garden cancelled the WCW show scheduled for the 26th of November, and the WWF will be getting the date instead. So, how this... So, they're gutted because they were going to headline this with Hogan and Flair for WCW in MSG. Uh, after the Garden, which is in the midst of a bit of an ownership change at this point, initially gave WCW the date, apparently the WWF got wind of it and produced a contract which stated they had a right of first refusal on any wrestling dates in the main arena. And we're exercising that right right now. Uh, this may be premature. There was a lot of speculation within WCW that they would attempt to book the Meadowlands and run head-to-head -head with that date in New York. Uh, but we will see a bit on that down the road. There's also talk of a lawsuit, uh, but uh, I don't think anything comes of that. This is just kind of the contract the WWF mm. has drawn up with the Garden that they weren't aware of. Uh, yeah, because the whole ownership change, whoever whoever approved it at the time was unaware of the uh, unaware of WWF right of first refusal, and um, amid all the confusion when WWF realized what was going on, then as you just said. They were able to go, uh-uh, no way, and they got the date for themselves. And it actually turns out to be a pretty relevant show when WWF runs it, because a certain title change will take place that will have far-reaching implications for the company's future. And just think it could have been a dub-si-dub -dub show. Imagine such a thing. Um, big if, movement in uh, the the other company, the major promotion in the, w, in the wrestling sphere at this point in America, as... ECW is now ECW. The E is now not for Eastern, it is for Extreme, as we are getting some of the fallout still from the great NWA uh, turn, turncoat uh, that is Eastern Championship Wrestling. Yes, yeah, so Shane Douglas threw down the NWA title upon winning it on August 27th. Came, cutting this stirring promo about the relevance of the belt, how he wished his father could have seen him win it. And this actually bleeds into the um, Botchamania meme where the dub and Shane Douglas' line talking about the Harley races, the Barry Windhams, to the Ric Flairs before the Mongo line. <laughs> Never mind that. Believe here comes Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is one of my favorite things Matthew's ever done in, in any 13 or 14 years he's been doing Botchamania. <laughs> yes, uh, it was a huge double cross where NWA's Dennis Corlewis got blindsided by Shane and Paul Heyman basically standing on their neck to create the foundation of extreme championship wrestling. What? Imagine if that happened today. We'd have Paul Heyman feuding with Billy Corgan. Oh, could you imagine? That'd be wild. All times Corgan went to ECW shows back in the day. In fact, almost bought ECW in 2000. I remember That's hearing about this. He was, he's been keen for, for decades to get into the wrestling malarkey. And, and um, it's nice to see him with a stronghold. Uh, now through the NWA. Of all things, the one, the ones Heyman once uh, effed over. The one uh, noteworthy thing this week in regards to the fallout from the Eastern slash Extreme Championship Wrestling debacle is uh, this: the, the the day before this episode of Raw airs, uh, Shane Douglas and Paulie Dangerously are appearing on radio shows. Uh, they clearly haven't spoke to each other because uh, Shane Douglas goes on to say, onto his show to say, oh, I just, to spur of the moment, decided to throw the belt down. Whereas Paul Heyman, on the show that he's on, uh, which is the uh, the John Arizi show, says, oh, no, we mm. planned this for months. 
That's why you get your story straight. Exactly. Well done, lads. Well done. We haven't had any East, any uh, episodes of Raw for a couple of weeks uh, in the in this timeline, but they have been taping a whole batch of stuff for WWF Wrestling Challenge, and uh, there were two days of tapings on the thirtieth, on the thirtieth and the thirty-first of August. A few highlights from that include Ted DiBiase and Tatanka doing promos. Uh, Tatanka wearing a suit. Now well and truly sold out. Davy Boy Smith returned to in-ring action, and King Kong Bundy re-debuted, managed by Ted DiBiase, <laughs> rounding out the weird island of misfit toys known as the Million Dollar Corporation. Everything old is new again. <laughs> uh, also on both nights, the dark match main event for both of the tapings. Uh, was Undertaker and Yokozuna in a casket match. Basically the same match played out twice. Uh, the, uh, the difference in dark match main events from night one to night two was that night one, Brett and Razor Ramon teamed up to face Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart. And on the second night, uh, Razor Ramon uh, faced Owen Hart and Bret Hart defended the WWF title against Jim Neidhart. So it's worth remembering that Jim Neidhart got a title shot in this particular era. On a lot of house shows, we're going to find out. Were they a house show run together, will we find out? Unfortunately. Oh. Want to throw in one more little uh, little bit of love, uh, which okay. is the, the birth of a future AEW star this week. Really? Yes, indeed. As uh, it is come to the attention of Dave Meltzer and the wrestling community... Uh, that Kip Sop has welcomed his son Austin into the world. Oh, you mean in 94? I'm like, well, I'm like, wait, wait, huh? Oh, no, 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 in 94! Mate, we're in the DeLorean, haven't we? We're back in time! Uh, I'm like, wait a minute, was his son born again? Is this like a weird embryo thing? <laughs> yeah, John? <laughs> Make what you will with that! <laughs> I'm sure. I'm only halfway through my coffee here. I don't know what the hell you were talking about. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, it's 94. Okay. So, okay, now it makes sense. So back in 94, Billy Gunn, uh, a.k.a. Kip Sop, had a son born, uh, named Austin. Uh, so uh, Billy Gunn was off the road for a couple of days, replaced by Well Done uh, in house shows. <laughs> Just a fun little nod, which I think which I think was, uh, was a tribute. <clears throat> Do you? Yes. <clears throat> yes, it was. It was the smoking duns. <laughs> they were in their they were in their thong singlets with the cowboy hats and carrying the six shooters and it's like, is, are we in a wrestling show or what is this? <laughs> oh, and flipping heck, I forgot to throw this in. Right, this week. Uh, oh, sorry, it was the third of September. This was third of September uh, in all Japan. Steve Williams retains the triple crown of uh, Budokan Hall. Beating Kenta Kabashi in 41 minutes and 23 seconds. Hold on, how many times did it land on their heads in that match? Oh, I want to see that. Have you seen it? I have not seen that match in particular, but I may have seen highlights based on all the people who put up every head drop from All Japan imaginable in GIF form on, on Twitter. You're just going through your timeline like, like a news story, news story. Like, oh, look, Akira Tawai just had, had his neck broken in six places. <laughs> off, of, off of a backdrop driver. Just another day at the office. <laughs> well, I have a little story for you now, Tommy. Ooh, hit me with your best shot. See, the see the show we're about to review here it aired on September 12th of 94, but on September 13th, 
a certain someone wrestled their final match in the company across the pond. And that man is Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh. Now, can you guess what city Savage's final WWF match took place in? So, hmm. Should I hum the Jeopardy theme? Would that help? It definitely wasn't uh, San Jose, because I'm looking at the card for that right now, and he ain't nowhere on it. I said across the pond. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Across my pond. Right, across your pond. Uh, okay. Sweden. Switzerland. Rostock, Germany. Oh, Germany. That's macho. But I mean, not just here. Not just Germany, but Rostock, Germany. I never even heard of Rostock until I saw this result. Is that like the name of... like? that backwater part in New York where they always do tapings from. <laughs> it looks like the yellow bird that followed Snoopy. <laughs> I feel like Rose... Rose was one of those places where if if WWE were going to do a, a pay-per-view from there at this era, they'd have said, we're live in the heartland of Germany! <laughs> <laughs> we're live in schnitzel country. <laughs> that, that's pretty more accurate of what they would have done. <laughs> what they would have well, here was here was that roast stock card. IRS beat the one two three kid. Mm-hmm. Women's champion Lundra Blaze beat Bull Nakano. Mabel pinned Bam Bam Bigelow. Undertaker beat Crush in a casket match. Crush subs for Yokozuna. It notes here that the casket was damaged after the previous night's match, and then broke at the end of this match. <laughs> I wish I, I wish there was footage of this. <laughs> Richard Land find footage of this immediately. Jeff Jarrett beat Doink the Clown. Tag champ Shawn Michaels and Diesel beat Intercontinental champ Razor Ramon and Lex Luger via DQ. And your main event, world champion Bret Hart team of Randy Savage to beat Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart. Whoa. And that was Savage's final match in the company. Oh, it's just it's just sad to know he's going. But I get why he's going. Yeah, I get why he's going. But no one knew it was his last match at the time. How long do we have him on commentary? Until through the Halloween episode. Okay. Okay, so we've got him a little longer. Yes, a little while longer. I genuinely feel quite sad about Savage coming to an end on Raw. Because I feel like he's been like the uh, the linchpin through all of this. Like as much as as much as we've got we've laughed at him, like he's kind of raw for us. <laughs> you mean he defines the show and not in a different matter of what you said there, right? I know what I meant. <laughs> I'm wrong for you, too. I, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. <laughs> oh. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna miss it. Oh, let's not talk about it yet. Yeah, it's going to Let the memories be. Let okay, the memories so... be postponed. We'll, we'll get sad <laughs> later on. About Savage, because no, 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 he no, doesn't know sing. what it means. Whoa, whoa, t- Tom, Tom, Tommy, Tommy, you can't sing because we have someone else who's going to do that. We do, don't we? Ooh, should we should we reveal all at yeah. the end? Well, at the perhaps at the end of the show, we'll unveil um, our new show friend. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds like you're taking your trousers down. <laughs> 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 we will unsheath our new... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you if you can have Barry the shark, 
anyway, <laughs> back on topic before we have too much fun here. Never. We can't have too much fun. Let's crack on with Raw, mate. What have we got? Talk us through this week's episode of Raw. Yes, yes we have four week old matches from Lowell, Massachusetts here. We start out with tennis remarks from Vincent Savage because, you know, the U.S. Open was on the last couple of weeks. But but not that tennis crap. Here comes some different crap. <laughs> Here comes Tigger our crap. <laughs> Tigger versus Quang tonight. Doink and Think on the King's Court. And new tag champ Sean and Diesel are in action. We start out with Taker and Quang. And I got to say, even though the heat machine was on and, and it was playing havoc with the sound, this crowd did not immediately get up for Taker's music because this was August 15th. This is pre-SummerSlam. And they're still thinking, well, this has got to be the faker. The hazards of taping well in advance. Yeah, there is there is that there is that a little bit. Uh, I like the this is new Undertaker music though. Yes, this is the um, overture. Not just the funeral dirge anymore. No, we've got we've got the bridge, which is nice. Big fan of this. Yes. The song that he would pretty much have for the majority of the, of, of the previous twenty five years. This truly feels like like the the Undertaker that we are going to get until like 96 now this feels like the Undertaker sort of settled into like he's, he's he's grown out of his skin he's settled into some new skin which I'm which is which I'm happy to see and he's and he's stealing the purple out of solidarity for men on the mission for his gloves and <laughs> and, and, and his kick pads so you're thinking this should be a garden variety squash because it's quang and he's going nowhere and this is Taker, and he's back from the dead in more than one sense. But no, this turned out to be a somewhat even-steven match for a little bit. Qu- Quang chops away on him, Taker for no cells. Quang spits the red mist into the air, but not in Taker's face. Why? I don't know. He's Taker. You use everything you have to try to kill him. See, this is why I'm going to miss Randy Savage. We get a spot where Taker's on the apron. Quang tries to, has him in his clutches. Taker drops down and hot shots him on the top rope as a counter. And Savage says, only Undertaker would have that in his arsenal. <laughs> no one right, else has no ever, has ever hot shot. shot. <laughs> yes, no, yes, no one has ever thought to throw their opponent across the top rope in order to save themselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. Taker hits school. It's not old school yet. It's just school. <laughs> it's, it's, I think at this point, it's, it's uh, elementary school. And in about a year or two's time, elementary it'll be school. college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> primary school <laughs> Vince talks about the naked gun cast in the past tense good <laughs> yeah, I'm happy that we're moving away from that yeah, Vince is basically fumigating the show as we speak <laughs> Tigger hits like Tigger goes for a flying nothing Quang rolls away to avoid it that was kind of awkward and then we get a commercial break and I'm stunned because Quang's still going Quang's getting a lot in here. This is a weird decision to make, like to to have Undertaker finally dethrone the fake Undertaker and then have him be competitive. You sure you 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 reestablish him here, have him come out and just batter a guy? But hey, there you go. But, but again, but then again, perhaps Taker's looking out for his uh, fellow BSK. Ah, Quang is Sabio. of course, they're buddies at this point, aren't they? Backstage, not in real life. Well, in real life, not in Give, wrestling life. Well, yes. Ray Savio Vega, part of uh, Taker's uh, backstage group, the Bone Street Crew. I believe that was Yoko, those two, Yokozuna, Godfather, Henry Godwin, who's not here yet. I think Fatu may have been a part of it, maybe a couple others. But yes, uh, they were called the Bone Street Crew because they played dominoes together. 
also known as Bones. Is that where the name comes from? I had no idea. Yeah, it's nothing to do with like a, like a graveyard or anything or just anything menacing. It's because they're buddies who play dominoes <laughs> once in a while. So it became I the Bone Street that. Crew. I love that so much. It's, uh, it's so innocent, isn't it? Because it sounds so intimidating. It's like, do you know what? It's like, it's like you when you find those hairdressers called curl up and die. It's like, well, it's, it's a hairdressers. We're dying your hair. <laughs> we're changing up this week. We're playing Candyland. <laughs> I don't play Candyland with Taker now. John. Or, or Twister or something. John. John. <laughs> hours, hours of fun. Can you please do a? Front, a, the box of a board game and I want whatever board game you like but it has to be Undertaker and Justin Henry playing alright there you go like Mousetrap the front cover of Mousetrap and it's Undertaker and Justin Henry playing Mousetrap Taker playing guess who does it look <laughs> like I could kill him yes alright well that's everyone <laughs> i tell you what I'd never play guess who with Samuel L. Jackson does he look does like he a look <laughs> <laughs> English mother effort, do you speak it? You would come in on the burger I'm eating at 8 o'clock in the morning as a cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. But anyway. <laughs> um, so after commercial break, we are treated to a great moment in which Quang missed The Undertaker with Green Mist. Tate responds by misting him back. That was my favorite moment of the match. And I'm just sad that it was done away from the hard cam. I know. It was. It all seemed like like you couldn't tell if Tigger was just blowing the mist back somehow or if he had his own glob ready to go. I assumed <laughs> that, that he... That he, Quang spat the mist at him and Undertaker just wiped it from his face and put some in his mouth and spat it back. <laughs> Which I could see happening. I mean, it's grim. I mean, if he's Tigger's chimp... Which was like pea soup, like the exorcist. And Digger <laughs> spun his head around. It got a pop as well, didn't it, when he did talking. it? Oh, yeah, because it's Undertaker, and him doing anything cool is magnified in coolness because it's he, it's him doing it. Quang gets chokeslammed, and that's the finish. No tombstone, just the goozle and the drop. Done and done. This was a very competitive match for Quang. Like, this could have been a career a career-defining performance for Quang. Instead, this is like the height of his run as Quang before he um, magically becomes Razor's friend in about eight months. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of the end of him a little bit. He's kind of the, they we're at the peak yeah. now of Quang Amazing. Yes, once Hakushi came, <laughs> once Hakushi came in, they figured, well, we can't have two of them, and Hakushi's authentic, so let's find something different for Savi for Quang slash Savio to do. So we get this nice little visual of Vince and Savage at ringside, and the fans are trying to grab Vince while he's narrating. It was like Jericho's old WCW entrance where he where he leaned on the, on the guardrail and the fans would touch him, except Vince didn't want to do this. <laughs> They're just so happy to see him after the trial and everything. Well, yeah, they're, they're trying to grab souvenirs, and he's like he's like a teen idol, you know. <laughs> he's like Lee, he's like Leaf Garrett. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Oh, speaking of Vince quick observer note this is from the ECW section they made reference to um, Todd Gordon who's the commissioner of ECW at the time talking about how talking about how when Dreamer was screwed out of a match with the Sandman 
he came out and says, we have a real justice system in ECW. This isn't Long Island. <laughs> I miss when companies were that pithy toward one another. Oh, they were good times. I miss, they? I miss, I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I couldn't imagine someone like Ring of Honor or Impact Sands like that today because everyone's just doing their own thing. No, back then they were a little more cavalier. The, the the line that the line I always remember as a kid, and we talked about this on the SmackDown review, the Cold Solid Classic SmackDown review the other day. Um, actually, it might be a couple of weeks ago now. Jesus Christ, it was still, when we were still in the office. Oh, halcyon days. Um, it was the line where Triple H was telling everybody that Vince McMahon had joined the X uh, in the mm-hmm. run-up to Armageddon '99. And Vince McMahon comes out right. and says, I'd rather join WCW than join DX. And it got a booming pop. And I remember as a kid popping for it as well, like, oh, my God, they said the name of the other company. Like, that's amazing. Like, you, when you hear stuff like that now, it's very few and far between. you got to hear the booze Vince got at Survivor Series the previous year when they were um, introducing Foley's mystery opponent in the tournament. And, and the line's actually really clever in hindsight because Vince talks about, like, because it ended up being Dwayne Gill, obviously. And they're just a guy for Foley to pounce on and, and, and be quickly. He's seeking more competition of his caliber. We know what he meant at the time, but that's even funnier now. He jumps ship to the WCW. Crowd just boos it out of the building. It's tremendous. <laughs> Battle lines were drawn in 98. They really were. They really, really were. But think about it, it's Dwayne Gill seeking more competition of his caliber. I think that's great, and it? it's such a great little dig. I love it. I love it. I love it when they're petty. And going to be appreciated in hindsight when, when, when you see who it is. Like, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> With this one, then, so Undertaker wins, and mm-hmm. Vince announces on commentary, "What's next for Undertaker?" Is this the first time that we find out? Find out what? that The Undertaker is going to face Yokozuna in a casket match in Survivor Series. I guess the kind of... Just randomly thrown in there. like No, no graphic, no... I mean, it is the logical rematch because Taker's gonna, it's getting revenge from beyond the grave, but that's kind of an underwhelming way to bring it up. It's such an afterthought. And it just seems strange that like you wouldn't, you wouldn't get The Undertaker on the mic just to go, Yokozuna, you will rest in peace. It's like, whoa, there you go. Off to the races we go. They don't even do that. It's just, Wait, it's just Vince McMahon lays it all out on the line immediately. But you know what will liven it up? It's when, it's when a certain guest enforcer comes into the picture for the <gasps> match. Oh, be still my beating heart. Be still my beating heart. I can't wait. I know who's coming. We're not going to tell you yet. <laughs> <laughs> go on Wikipedia if you want to know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. It's cheating. <laughs> so we get footage of SummerSlam, footage of Brett versus Owen, and what's what they're calling the best steel cage match in WWF history. And uh, I might be inclined to agree with that, at least like, in like a non-Hell in a Cell standpoint. Mate, we watched it, and all we did was do impressions of Meltzer and Alvarez. I don't know how true that statement actually is. <laughs> well, I, I was watching the match while doing the impression because I can multitask. <laughs> I, don't about, I don't know about you two. <laughs> I can I can both watch a five star cage match and mock <laughs> a journalist at the same time. Actually, 
Well, I mean, I could ride a unicycle while watching all Japan women. <laughs> it's it's not it's not difficult, but I wouldn't quite recommend it. <laughs> um, speaking of women, we can't show violence on Raw against women. So when when I heard goes a clothesline, Davy Boy and Diana over the rail, we get we get a freeze frame. We don't see that incredible so home- bump that Diana took, which I'm sad about. Yes, uh, we're left to wonder what could have happened next. We just assumed that Diana broke her neck and passed away. <laughs> she died on the way back to her home planet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Diana's poochie. <laughs> Whenever but, anybody's I mean, off screen, they'll be asking, where's Diana Hart-Smith? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> so... Our next match is Jim Neidhart versus Tim McNeeny. And this is the, the realization that I have, that we are transitioning from Owen feuds with Brett to Neidhart feuds with Brett. <laughs> this is where the money is, baby. Whose idea was this? I mean, uh, I say that very prematurely. Like, there is historical justification for this match happening. Well, yes, but Neidhart is... um. He's, he's, he's a little gone at this point, in-ring-wise, and I'm not sure Brett's going to be the one to keep him uh, on the straight and narrow in terms of having a good match. Because this match right here, Neidhart versus Tim McNeeny, there was like seven different moments where it could have conceivably ended, but it kept going. And on no less than four occasions, they do cutaways to Owen at ringside, trash-talking the camera, talking about how Neidhart's going to beat Brett. Owen Hart is carrying this match from the floor. <laughs> he has to make Neidhart look good from the floor. I mean, he does. <laughs> well, because well, Owen's good at what he does. He's amazing. But it's just Neidhart just brutalizing McNeeny, hitting a big power move. Dead air. Then Owen, that's right, Brett, he's going to beat you, Brett. Back in the ring, Neidhart does a body beal. Yeah, Brett. My brother-in-law, Jim, the Ammon is going to win the title from you. Back in the ring. Here's a wrist lock. And and on and on and on and on and on. And that's pretty much this match. I, I genuinely think, though, because it's Owen doing these cutaway bits, it's fine. I feel like if this was Bruce doing it, we'd have been on his case so badly. <laughs> well, because one's interesting to listen to. It's true. <laughs> there is that. There is that. It, it, it actually hit me. Bruce Hart's existence is like Bart in the episode where Millhouse's Fallout Boy. Like he wanted the part for himself, and at the end, when you think it's like, but I know who I know who could be Fallout Boy, and Bruce thinks it's gonna be him, and all of a sudden now it's um, Mickey Rooney feuding with Brett. Jimmy <laughs> Jellicker, Jimmy Jellicker. <laughs> that's that's alarmingly accurate. That's one of the best episodes ever. You're fired, and with good cause. <laughs> it's a great episode. I like. I might watch that tonight, actually, on Disney Plus. Ooh, good plug. I know. This? Now sponsored by <laughs> Disney Plus. Anyway, Nightheart finishes this poor guy with the camel clutch. He doesn't do the dragon clutch variant, unfortunately. Yeah. I was happy to see him do that because that was the I've one interesting thing he was doing at this point. I thought it would look really nice. Yes, he's, uh, he's, he's Anvil Key. <laughs> but unfortunately, not not to be seen here. 
But what will be seen next week on the show, taped only five weeks in advance, is Sherry the King of Lawler versus Duke the Dumpster Jersey. Oh, remember that feud? Remember that feud that happened that time? Let's dip back to it, shall we? <laughs> sure, why not? We've kept it somewhat uh, lukewarm. Yes, it's, it's warmed over. It's in a steam tray. We put some aluminum foil over it. It's, it's, it's ready to go. I like the line they use, which is the king versus the duke. That was good. And that and Penko actually sang his royal lowness, which sounds biased to me. He is a bit biased, though, any old petting zoo. Yeah, it's... Um, shut up, petting mule. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> We show Lawler and the impetus for uh, why, why Doink and Dink are on King's Court this week. Because Dink was making his entrance on Superstars, carrying a bunch of balloons, and Lawler being a dick decided to pop all of them. <laughs> oh, but that was pretty funny. <laughs> Just standard Jerry Lawler being an ass, which is fine. <laughs> Did you see the clip someone put up recently of Lawler doing a black mass in 1980? No. Is that a thing? Yes, Lawler hit a... It's on it's on Twitter somewhere. Someone put it up. It's Lawler doing a standing spinning heel kick to someone in 1980. I'm going to find it whilst we're talking because I want to see Lawler doing black mass. God. It was one of the, the toppings on Reddit yesterday. It was tremendous. Oh, I found it. I've got it. I've got it. Here it comes. Oh! No, it's not great. <laughs> Amazing. He... <laughs> It's like, there is somehow, right, somehow less momentum after the spin. Like, that defies oh, physics. <laughs> People have been criticizing it, saying, ah, oh, it sucked, but you know what? <laughs> At least he didn't slap his leg and miss. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say, black mass, more like black pass. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> Black mass, more like black hat. miss. Am I right? Am I right? Well, that'd be Alistair during the Lars Sullivan match. There you go. Anyway, black mass, more like slack mass. Am I right? Am I right? All right, that's better. <laughs> we got there in the end. Third time looking. I'll give you that one. Slack mass. <laughs> you see, Chris said slack ass. I would have accepted that also. Slack mass, more like slack ass. Am I right? Am I right? Here's your cookie. Tweet me, am I right? <laughs> Thanks. So, King's Court with the stupid clowns. Uh, Lawler has to apologize to them. What? <laughs> just like it when you just throw shade at Doink like this. <laughs> it's, not, it's the wrong Doink. It's, it's the, everything about this is, is, is garbage and wrong. Like, there is no... what? Like, surely, every character... You bring into a company, into into the, into a major promotion. Okay, not every single one of them is going to be your top drawing champ, your top drawing Davis, your top drawing heel. But you're going to care enough about them to to they get over. Like this is this is so off the mark. It's just like he's a clown and and he's a goodie clown. An evil clown is phenomenal. He's he's Armin Tamzarian, doink. Oh, good shout. Because Matt Bourne is the real Doink the Clown, mm-hmm. but he's no longer here, and and all we've gotten in the ten months since is this watered down uh, hack version of Doink that's no fun, and he's got a midget sidekick, which is stupid. 
Oh, it is a comedy. It is a comedy low. Well, speaking of low, Lawler makes fun of Dink's height. <laughs> Dink has a Burger King crown on just to really drive home the wit of this segment. But Dwink says he has a present for Lawler. Sure enough, two crew members bring out this giant box, which I'm hoping is Abdullah the Butcher, but uh, unfortunately my hopes were dashed. I mean, that would have been quite... Uh, Dwink, uh, Abdullah the Butcher. Sorry, you're on that. Jesus, Abdul wake the, up. Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> Abdullah the Butcher in Doink makeup. <laughs> okay, that would be horrifying. Abdullah <laughs> <laughs> himself's not horrifying. Actually, that existed. It was called Pogo the Clown in XPW. Oh, right. Hey, kid, want a lollipop? Oh, That's a real morbid thing to bring up based on, uh... Anyway, um... So they bring out this big box. It's not Abdullah. I'm, I'm sad. It's a trash can. Because you see, Duke's gonna beat Lawler next week, says Doink. And Lawler, out of spite, goes to kick the trash can. But he hurts his own foot because there's weights in it. <laughs> and not even like dumbbells like these little like like doorstop weights that Lawler's foot would not have hit but they're heavy because they wrote 10 tons on them put like a dumbbell in there put Dink in there <laughs> Lawler hurt his foot kicking Dink that's where they're both hurt <laughs> And then we would have got something out of it. <laughs> and as it, see what could have happened was Dink could have put in the trash can in the box, and Blink opens it, and then his face drops and goes, "Ah, we should have put air holes in here." <laughs> <laughs> That's the old gag in it around Christmas time when you wrap up a gift in the shape of a dog. See, a dog dying is sad, whereas Dink would be a bit less tragic. <laughs> Dink never Slightly coming on Desert track. Island Graps then. That's great. I, I can't, can't figure out why I'm chasing away all your guests. <laughs> all the big guests I want. I.G. Lee Morgan, Dink. You're denying me of them all, I mate. I get Abdullah. <laughs> one of, oh, I want to know what Abdullah's three favourite matches are. I think that would just be a podcast which is an hour of screaming. <laughs> Here's one where I stab the guy. That narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So the heart attack tour, you want to see this, Tommy? <laughs> yes, I certainly do, minor Freunder. Um... The Heart Attack Tour. So this is the sort of post SummerSlam, let's hit the road type affair. Shows all over the place uh, in the US and in Europe. Um, the video itself, nice bit of CGI, showing a literal mm -hmm. heart attack happening. <laughs> so, I can't help but feel that somebody did. This is somebody taking the idea of the Heart Attack Tour far too literally and showing an actual heart complete with veins pumping. Uh, flatlining. <laughs> I mean, they could have just showed like a guy eating Cheetos. That would be fine. Like an easy chair, in, like covered in Crisco or something. What's that guy from the old Raw adverts doing? The one that was married to the hottie. He was going, oh, not tonight. I'm watching Raw. Get him in it. Right. He probably already had a heart attack. That's <laughs> probably why he's not in it. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, so, uh, the Heart Attack Tour is, uh, is heading around the world. Uh, this is the San Jose, California card. I had a little cheeky preview of this earlier on. It's very similar to the card that uh, Justin shared with us, but I'll run it through you. Uh, Bob Ollie and the 1-2-3 Kid, back as a tag team. They've defeated Well Done, who, as we've said earlier, are subbing for the Smoking Guns at the moment, because... Uh, Billy's off being a dirter. Uh, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz defeats Luis Bacoli. This is pretty Ooh, bad rapid. The WWF Intercontinental Championship, Razor Ramon, but defeats Owen Hart. Hart is already competing for the IC title. Um, Diesel and Shawn Michaels defend the WWF tag titles against the Head Shrinkers. Uh, they de successfully defend them as a result of DQ. Uh, Alundra Blaze beats Paul Nakata for the women's title. Brett defeats Jim Neidart for the WWF title. That big Neidart push is coming. Keep it coming. And the casket match headlines, which is The Undertaker defeating Yokozuna. There's, as you can see from a lot of the conversation, like they've very much got the motor running in terms of what they're going to be doing post-SummerSlam. We are heading towards Undertaker mm -hmm. and Yokozuna on TV, and we're heading towards Bret Hart and Jim Neidart. And that, and, and the crowd for that show was thirty two hundred. I believe they could they could hold at least seventeen or eighteen thousand. You would think. Mm, that's uh, that's uh, that's a worry. These are, uh, <laughs> yeah, not good crowds here. Um, not good crowds. When the heart attack tour is already flatlining. Wrestling, where house show business has been through the roof. Is it at, is it really just Attitude Era and obviously the Golden Era? I would say that. Probably the Bruno era, mm. when the when the Garden Show, one of the shows that always did over, well over twenty thousand, and I mean it's wrestling's hot, house shows are hot, and this current era, when we're, I mean there's no house shows that going on right now, obviously, but when they were going on, they were they were they really were in the pits. I just feel like every time I do uh, a a wrestling podcast, regardless of decade, I the, the conversation of house show comes up. And, it's, and it varies from okay to terrible. To the point where I go, 
What's the point? Like, but obviously, it's 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 almost now. I think doing live events is just is something that's just always been done. And uh, even though the houses have got less and less over time, because and I get it as well. I get it more in this era than any other era. I get it in I get it in this era because you're not obviously presenting a product that wrestling fans. As, as few as there are right now are that interested in seeing uh, which I get um, but like in this modern era it's like there is so much wrestling to consume like is the really the the reaction to Roman Reigns versus Barrett Corbin in Poughkeepsie really going to change the fabric of wrestling it's not no am I really going to be bothered about going probably won't and that's kind of the the attitude and I don't think that will change when we when, when all this calms down and we all get back to normal. I genuinely would like to see the, the company go back to a model a bit like this one, in the sense that they're not on the road doing house shows and live events all the time. They do these sort of big marquee live event tours. I feel like just making them feel more important would help. Well, it would. And, and, and of course, once in a while, you have to have a title change somewhere in there in order to justify it. Of course, you know, belts have to mean something again. So there's, uh, there's a lot to unpack there and reconfigure if you're going to make house shows mean something again in 2020 and and beyond. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, I'll admit, it's just a fun way to see matches in person and see and see, see people up close. And I mean, I get the appeal of it, but most people are just view it as a TV product these days. It's... um. People rather watch Disney Plus than Disney on ice, I guess. Yeah, it's true. It's sad, but true. So our next match features a certain important seminal figure in wrestling history. We have Shawn Michaels and Diesel versus future ECW star Tony DeVito and a man by the name of Paul Van Dale. Okay. Now, you know who Paul Van Dale is, don't you, Tommy? Are you going to tell me who Paul Van Dale is? Well, he is a first-generation wrestler because his daughter would go on to become the first female winner of a Money in the Bank ladder match, Carmella. Uh, James Ellsworth. <laughs> oh, well, that's it. Oh, so this is Carmella's dad. Carmella. So Carmella's dad and one of the baldies from ECW versus the Click. Oh, man, you can't teach that. <laughs> and you can't teach that. Anyway. <laughs> okay, I so, like that. A lot of historical significance thrown into this. <laughs> One of the funniest covers I've ever seen for something is, is employed here because this was taped August 15th, as noted. So Sean and Diesel are not the tag team champions yet at the time of this taping. That thing comes on the night before SummerSlam. But when this airs, they're supposed to be the champions. But they don't have any belts. So Vince, covering for them, says that Sean sent the belts out to be steam cleaned. <laughs> what a line. Of all the things... This is this is a Vince-ism, isn't it? That where, um, for one, I don't think you could steam clean gold. <laughs> I don't suppose you could. But what we've discovered is that Vince can't be told. Vince can't be told. A true story from the from Desert Island Graps from this past Wednesday. We had the Beer City Bruiser on from Ring of Honor. 
-hmm. and um, we talked about his appearance on WWE TV in 2004 as part of the Simon Dean uh, uh, segment in 04. Do you remember a Simon Dean segment where he got a guy out of the crowd, uh, uh, got him to take his shirt off, and then the guy pushed Simon Dean over? I don't recall the specific segment, but I know Simon Dean was doing crowd stuff at that point. Yeah, well, one of the people that was uh, pulled out of the crowd by Simon Dean was the Beer City Bruiser. Uh, he, okay. he, he'd been, he was friends with people who were working that show in, in some capacity, so he ends up going along, and they end up finding out he's a wrestler, and they use him in this segment. So he goes to have a meeting with Vince McMahon and says, oh, and Vince is like, hey, we're going to get Simon to take your shirt off. You okay taking your shirt off? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine taking my shirt off. Uh, takes his shirt off and he's got all these, he's got these welts on his chest. He wrestled the night before and got the bejesus chopped out of him by, I think, Chris Candido. Um, uh, so he's got all these welts on his chest. And Vince says, oh, that's, that's even better. We'll say it's gonorrhea. And... <laughs> And everyone, and, and, and they go, okay, sure. Keep going. So they leave the office and the guy says, don't, don't say it's gonorrhea. And I think it's Michael Hayes who goes, don't say it's gonorrhea. And this, this Hebrew is like, do we not going to correct him? I said, no, you don't, you don't correct Vince. You don't, you just don't correct him. <laughs> Well, say it's gonorrhea. That's tremendous. No, it's a, and it's a proper Vince thing to do, isn't it? It's a proper Vince thing to do. I just learned that word recently. It's funny. It's like the it's like the Kurt Angle thing with Charmel, where Vince said, "I want you to say you're having bestiality sex with her." It's like, well, that's not a thing. That's that's the word you're using. No, but it doesn't make any sense, Vince. Like. It does to me, and that's all that matters. Well, this... Angle's so Angle's oh. Angle's so committed that he went he went out, he went out, went out and procured a goat and brought it back and just you know. I, I love it. I love it. He he bas he he basically played hole in the wall with Vince's request and just <laughs> bent around <laughs> to get through. Never doubt Kurt Angle's commitment. No. So the steam clean thing reminds me of the gonorrhea story from Wednesday. You can listen to the whole thing on the. Uh, Desert Island Graps podcast from Wednesday. It's on the feed here. Um, but amazing. Amazing. Steam cleaned belts. Sure thing. This is like one long episode of uh, The Emperor's New Clothes with Vince. It is, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> Vince, you're, Vince, you're, you're naked. Vince, uh, screw it. Anyway. <laughs> that, so. I mean, that still sounds like it's part of the shtick you were trying to do. That's it was. Cool. That was Vince on. That was Vince on SmackDown last Friday. Ah, screw it. <laughs> Turn the lights off. You like Padre? Speaking of tremendous, we get we we get a hilarious spot in this match. It's Sean and Devito, and Sean is running from Tony Devito because he's afraid of the bodies, obviously. So they're doing this whole run around ringside, in the ring, out of the ring. Sean's trying to get away from this lunatic jobber. Finally, Sean runs past Diesel on the floor, and Diesel stands like stands, stands like this big brick wall roadblock thing. DeVito stops because it's Diesel, and he's a, a little more intimidated by Diesel. So while that happens, Sean slides back in the ring and hits this sloppy but somehow still awesome suicide dive onto the Vito while he's 
being blockaded by Diesel. It's tremendous. That was great. That whole sequence was awesome. Oh, it was so good. Just, just the pace of it all, and it just—it's—it's it's just Shawn Michaels just just being a dick, which is 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 I know, best is best flex. <laughs> I miss Shawn in the ring on this show. I know he faced Razor like over a month ago, but Shawn adds so much when he's just being Shawn. Absolutely. So, uh, while all this is going on, and Vince mentions the whole steam clean thing. He should have said fumigate. It would have been funnier because the headfingers had him before them. <laughs> See that? I could, I could believe. No, steam clean. Because they had gonorrhea. <laughs> yes, master. Um, Vince talks about how the heart attack tour is going on in Germany right now. So who's there if they're here? <laughs> this is like that goddamn episode of Raw from the with the um, anniversary show, but there's also a show at the Garden going on at the same time. Stan Lanza calls to tell who won the tag team title match. Why are there two shows? <laughs> I'm sad we didn't get a phone call from Germany. <laughs> Guten Tag, it's Stan Lane. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Oktoberfest, but you got the background. It'd be kind of funny, you gotta admit. Oh, yeah. Michael Hayes comes in drunk off his ass carrying a stein. Michael, what are you doing at Oktoberfest? What's Oktoberfest? <laughs> I just thought it was Wednesday. Bad Street, Atlanta, <laughs> <Lana> J. <laughs> I could totally see that, too. So. so anyway, Van Dale gets in there, Carmelo Sr. And Sean uh, hits his neckbreaker that doesn't go well, unfortunately. Kind of sloppy looking. Not, not so much his part, but Van Dale kind of flew the other way. So, um, mm. Nash gets in there, jackknifes Van Dale. Then he and Sean do the head drinker splash with Sean jumping from Diesel's shoulders for the finish. That was a fun squash. It was all right, wasn't it? It was good fun. Big chance for Diesel. Big love for Diesel. Oh, yeah, the champ for Diesel during this match. It's, uh, just going to justify the big push he's getting very soon from Superstars this past weekend where... DiBiase called out someone to face Bigelow, you know, anyone who's man enough and all that. And out comes a yellow and blue schemed Adam Bomb, who has now gotten rid of his eerie doomsday music and has now replaced it with something that sounds like a sped up moving in stereo by the cars. <laughs> like, 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 a, like, like it's, it's fast times at three mile island high. <laughs> and despite this crappy change in music... <laughs> Yes, uh, John, if you want to do anything um, related to uh, Adam Bomb having some pizza and learning about Cuba, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> is Adam Bomb is Sean Penn. That's, that'd be something. Just don't do I Am Sam. Please don't do that. <laughs> I love Adam Bomb in this era. Well, he's definitely, uh, he stands out because he's one of the few true heavyweights they have that can move. Mm-hmm. I love him. I think he Plus should he have been the guy. I'm going to stamp. I'm going to put me flag on top of the mast for this. I think Adam Bomb should have had a crack at being the guy, the guy. I think he's that good at this point. He's that right. He's got the size. He's got the cool look. He's got move. As we're going to find out in a minute when he faces Dwayne Gill. My God, he has got the moves. Oh man. 
he had the moves, but I think there was just something missing. I don't know if it was like just he didn't quite connect with the crowd though. That was like the one thing. He seemed like he didn't have that like he didn't have that razor diesel kind of magnetism. Where like where he's like a man of the people in in some sense. He seemed like just someone who would just do his stuff and then leave. He didn't quite connect with the people. I don't think. Am I wrong? Um, I don't know. He got he got a pop here. He got a pop here when he came he out to, from, to face Bam Bam. I mean, he got a pop. I mean, people were. Well, I'm, well, keep in mind, it's also a heat machine. <laughs> but it's just he doesn't seem like someone who has a lot of charisma to him. Physical mm. charisma, maybe, but not. Like, could you see him cutting a promo talking about how he's going to face uh, Jeff Jarrett at Madison Square Garden for the title or whatever? No, I, I would have seen him challenge for the WWF title. I'd have given him a big belt. I genuinely would have done. Like, maybe not against Brett, but, like, had... Okay, fantasy booking brain on. Like, Yoko okay. in, in, his, in his pomp as champ. Having, if Lex couldn't get the job done, step up Adam Bomb. And have Adam Bomb be the guy who who takes the belt off Yoko for a bit. So you're telling me that in the feud with the big Japanese wrestler, you would get the guy whose Titantron video consists of mushroom clouds <laughs> and have and have him be the American hero. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> and I want, Mon- and now, I want Monsoon to commentate just so we can get the Pearl Harbor line. Of in. course. <laughs> that's how the people start, apparently. Oh my, that's. Uh... Oh, I haven't even thought of that. I haven't even thought of that. Oh no, oh, I feel bad now. I feel really no, bad now. <laughs> see, and that's why they didn't do that storyline, Tom. Yeah, I kind of get it now. Very. Im- <laughs> I mean, to be sure. I, <laughs> to be sure, I just think of either of the turbulence. Wait. Yeah, they, this pretty yeah, that... problematic. But see, it's it's, it's okay because you know, not really from Japan. <laughs> and Adam Bomb's um, not really a bomb. <laughs> wait a minute, Quake's from San Francisco. They had a few with Earthquake. No. Oh anyway. no. <laughs> what what is this company doing? <laughs> Being offensive. So yeah, Bomb versus Bigelow would have been a pretty good mean guy match, as Brian Alvarez might say. Just two big bulls punching each other and batter just battering each other, and it, it could have been good times but I don't know I guess I don't, I don't really recall that feud too much but here we have Adam Bomb versus Dwayne Gill one of these men held a belt in the company and it's not Bomb oh <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to say that I even made a note here like one of these two made a, at least one a belt in the company boy do you know me oh I know I was trying to ponder whether or not whether they both held belts at the same time. And I feel like they might have done. It would have been very close, because I don't think Chronic may have won belts until well after the reign of Gilbert ended. I'm going to have a quick look, because I didn't... If you carry on talking us through the match, I'm going to investigate this. Investigate? Okay. I'm investigating. Um, Yes, so so it's Job Squad versus the New Blood here. (laughs) Um... And the show and the show how serious they are about Adam Bomb's big push. They're too busy discussing Randy Savage getting a home run in the charity softball game. Uh, Bomb does show off some agility here. He gets the drop down, jumps up for the leapfrog, and then hip tosses Gill on one fluid motion. 
He's very agile for a man. He's about 6'7", goes about 300. Uh, Gil does get some offense in, though. you think this would just be bomb killing him. But no, he gets a something in the corner that looked very weird and uncoordinated. He wipes out. Bomb goes to the apron, gets the slingshot clothesline, which I don't think was ever properly named. I don't know if you call it Core Meltdown or something. That would have been a good name. Picks Gil up. Hits the pump handle version of the Adam Smasher and wins. Yeah, I was going to say that the um, the power bomb, you see the at, the Atom Smasher, uh, you see the power bomb. That now is property of Kevin Nash, so no one else mm-hmm. is doing power bombs, which is fine, which it makes sense. Like you know, you're going to water down that move if everybody's doing it, and if it's a big right. deal for Nash, then just take it off and give bombs something else. Pump handle slam is fine. It's like a pump handle bomb because he goes down with him, which I quite like. Mm-hmm. Pump handle slam as a finisher, as a standard finisher, is a bit would have been a bit weak, but this feels like something special. Or as Savage calls it, he does the old up and over and through. <laughs> Savage is yes, baffled uh, by the concept of a pump handle power slam, pump handle slam rather. <laughs> Savage is not the MC Escher of pro wrestling. <laughs> he did all the up and the over. Right, John, John, can you put Randy Savage in that iconic MC Escher painting? One with all the stairs. Use your imagination on, on how that would look because anything's possible. There's a train station in the UK, and I'm going to give a big shout to Stour Bridge Junction, right? Stour Bridge Junction, uh, and if you live in the West Midlands, I know you've popped as well. Because the great thing about Stour Bridge Junction is it is the MC Escher painting of railway stations. Because I swear to God, bro, I swear, bro, uh, I swear to God. <laughs> that I've been up two flights of stairs at the at Starbridge Junction and still found myself on ground level with trains going past me. I, I'm baffled by it. And to this day, I still don't quite know when I'm on which floor, which is the actual ground floor with the exit to the train station and which is a pretend ground floor. Can't get me head around it. Tweet me if I'm wrong. So, so maybe you should be making fun of Savage then. No, because I'm not a wrestling commentator at what I discovered. I am, aren't I? Damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. I won't make fun of him. <laughs> it showed you. I'll hand back my equity card if I do. Well, don't worry, Tom. You have a lot more... Uh... Well, you're a lot less ham-handed than this next bit. Don't know what that means. We have a new New Generation ad campaign commercial. Oh, God. We're at a church. something else. And for some reason, the lines are badly dubbed. I have no idea why. So they're in a confession booth, and there's this guy who's admitting to very simple behavior, such as impure thoughts, lying. He's asking out one of his coworkers, even though she's married. You know, all sorts of adulterous and slanderous things, or scandalous things, I should say, not slanderous. And the minister in the uh, in the booth next to him is um he he, he appears to be um goading him on. And saying, what else, my son? Well, not, but not in those words. He's, his word choice is very peculiar because it turns out he's not even listening to this dude. He's watching Raw on some sort of portable TV with his, with his with headphones in. And he's too busy cheering on Lex Luger as he crushes a jobber. <laughs> oh. and, then they, and then they end with, the, with, with this exact line. The WF New Generation, put your faith in us. Does that sound like begging to you? It, it, no, because it just feels like every other half-hearted, half-witted advert for the new generation era. 
<laughs> just we need to make some adverts. Oh God, Vince, what have you got? Oh, Vicar watching the wrestling. Yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> Can't question it. <laughs> we need to cleanse ourselves of scandal. Let's get in with the church. <laughs> oh, there is that actually. <laughs> there is that. Let's. <laughs> We're scandalous. Wow. Let's try and let's let's do something shocking with the church. <laughs> yeah, it's um. I'm going to try a different avenue there, guys. But could you come up with a better slogan than put your faith in us? <laughs> okay, for a religious for a religious slant, um, you could do... But even, even the vicar saying unbelievable, is that not somewhat potentially... Bla- is that not historically blasphemous? <laughs> I mean, it could be. It's something that, that, is, that is impossible to believe in. <laughs> <laughs> um... The WF New Generation. God! <laughs> WF New Generation! Oh, God! <laughs> the WF New Generation. We've been chosen by God. <laughs> the WWF New Generation. It's all part of a divine plan. Just don't worry. The <laughs> WF New Generation. We're immaculate. <laughs> the new the WF New Generation. Because God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Here come the bushwhackers. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're from a new a new generation ad to two guys in their forties who like children. They really, they just. I mean, last time this happened, where they had a new generation ad that led into Backland, Vince was able to kind of explain it away and give the whole. Well, this guy has nothing to do with the new generation, but this time he just He's the antithesis of it. Yeah. This time he just goes, hey, come with the bushwhackers. What a great time we're having. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, here, here comes Arnold Skull and the wrestle. <laughs> oh, I'm glad he's wrestling and not me. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's more coordinated than I am. <laughs> you know who likes me? The people of Rostock, Germany. They like me. <laughs> What the hell is Rostock? It's like it's like a suburb of Oslo. <laughs> anyway, That's where Volta went to watch him and went, "This is going to be my job." Bushwhackers versus Bert Santano and Joe Exotic. <laughs> I, I, I wrote that instead of Barry Hardy. I know it's Joe Exotic. Just look at him. <laughs> I hope Barry Hardy gets booked. I hope he gets booked based on the fact he looks like Joe Exotic. <laughs> So, I did write my notes, at least they're over, and I meant the Bushwhackers, because the crowd is into them. They are very into the Bushwhackers. Very much so. More so than Adam Bomb. Maybe that was the litmus test why he didn't get a push. (laughs) So, this match goes on for a bit. Abe Knuckleball Schwartz is on strike. He's in the front row with his sign. Just walking around, and I, I wrote, yup, I'm putting my faith into this. We're back to Randy Savage movie plugs. He plugs a movie about an uncontrollable bus. I'm thinking, Speed's on TV already? It just came out that summer. But no, it's a TV film called Incident at Deception Ridge with who Savage calls Ed Bagley Jr. (laughs) (laughs) That is the most 1994 WWF plug for anything ever. It really is. It's that and Silk Stockings. <laughs> I miss Silk Stockings. 
<laughs> just, oh crap, Michael Just O'Keefe. you, mate. Just you. <laughs> Michael O'Keefe was in the movie. He was uh, Danny Noonan from Caddyshack. Christ. Jobbing actors. What a killer's row. <laughs> it's got a 5.0 on IMDb with 162 <laughs> votes. Yeah, but so did... So it's got Linda... <laughs> I was going to say something very Pearl, she was... chose not to. <laughs> it's got Linda Pearl. She was on the later seasons of Happy Days. <laughs> oh, 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 really? Oh, well, that's a game changer. Somebody burn me that Blu-ray immediately. Hang on. I'm read the plot real quick. Ray and Dell are professional extortionists who make your living kidnapping rich men's wives for ransom. However, this time, an unhappy marriage turns their plans awry. As they try to salvage the situation and recover their money... A busload of strangers gets in their way. These ordinary passengers are on a trip to Seattle. An ex-con, his sister, an asthmatic kid, and a blind woman prove extraordinarily resourceful when their survival depends upon it. <laughs> I gotta find this movie. Oh, mate, this sounds like quite the uh, quite the journey. I hope, I, hope, I hope Ed Bagley Jr. played the asthmatic kid. <laughs> So this turns this turns into a, a really goofy comedy match, where Butch counts a pin on both jobbers when Luke covers both men and then licks Hebner, and then the battery ram finishes the guy who's who, who's not Bert Centeno. I mean, who's not Joe Exotic because he pins Bert Centeno. <laughs> but Joe Exotic did do wrestling stuff. You know that, don't you? That's right, you did. Yeah, yeah he, he, he thought the RH guys were spies sent by uh, Carol Baskin. <laughs> No, really, he did. Look it up. <laughs> I didn't know that. Hang on. Joe Exotic. 2020 has been a hell of a year. <laughs> they really, do you know what? 2020 is one hell of a drug. <laughs> it really is. Uh, thanks, Rick James. God almighty, you're right. How do we miss this in the news? Oh. Yeah, the oh. hell with the virus. This is, this is a bigger story. It, oh, my God. This is amazing. It turns out Joe Exotic, the star of uh, Tiger King, had loose ties with pro wrestling. Obviously, we know this bit as well. Uh, Matt Haven did an interview for, with ESPN, and it turned out Taven was Taven recalled how they had a show in Texas, and the next day they were in Oklahoma. During travel between the states, they went to the zoo, and. Matt says, because that ends up being where Big Cat Rescue is and Carabaskin's from, they thought we were some sort of spies. It's, oh, oh, I see. So, okay, so I missed a, I missed a step in the story. Um, th strange things started happening when they went to the zoo, and Jay Lethal told them he was from Tampa when they asked where they were from. Taven picks up the story and says, because that ends up being where the Big Cat Rescue and Carabaskin is from, they thought we were spies instead of some random guys walking in without a family like everybody else in this tiger zoo. Oh, my God. Yo, I'm for Carabaskin. Oh. And then Jaylee says, and then Jaylee says, I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, 2020 is a hell of a drug. Oh, my God. Stunning. <laughs> Stunning. My day got better. I'm sad we missed that story on the news. We, oh, I'm gutted. Well, before we finish up this show here, we have to introduce our uh, our new segment, do we not? We certainly do. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do the honors introducing this because this is something that a little something that you brokered with uh, a friend of the show. 
and I think it's a lovely thing to take it away, Justin. Uh, yes, you see, I, I had an epiphany recently that I don't often recall a lot of these shows because we cover so much and a compressed amount of time. We kind of gloss over stuff. So it's very good that two old fogies like yourself and myself mm-hmm. have, have a little recap at the end of the show, but not just any recap. See, most recaps are just simple words said very woodenly. What if we had someone sing the recap to us and kind of summarize the show for us in a way that's musical and positive? So we, so here we're going to debut a brand new character on the Call to Hall Classic Raw Review. The song stylings of our good friend, Strummerwitz. Oh, Strummerwitz with his recap of Raw. Take it away. Well, the Undertaker's back in his black and purple ghetto. Sean Neasel caught DeVito with a pretty wicked setup. And Nineheart mauled that jobber. Emma wouldn't let him. Hopes are running high for the Survivor Series. But Dink and Doink the Clown are enough to inspire hate. Adam Bomb's new music makes me think of Phoebe Cates. Macho Man's last match wasn't even in the States. Suddenly, I'm stricken with feelings so dreary. It's this goddamn new generation. Where fans tune out and don't bother. Such a stupid new generation. Was that really Carmella's father? We're dreading the new generation. Jesus, Pittingill, shut your mouth. Save us from the new generation. Who's next to fall Hogan South? You really, you really encapsulate what the new generation is like. <laughs> no, because I liked that. <laughs> so oh, you well. missed the whole thing. Uh, and until we are together again, he is at JRH Writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> Carol Baskin. Love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs> <laughs>